The hosts of Two Board Apes are not registered investment advisors. The podcast is for entertainment and informational purposes only. Nothing said on it should be construed as investment advice. Two Board Apes talking NFTs, DeFi, and some random stuff. <laughs> Two Board Apes talking NFTs, DeFi, and some random stuff. <laughs> Welcome to episode 35 of Two Board Apes. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm here with my friend and co-host, Roy. Roy, how are you? Trying to get more center had, on my camera. I've, you're right there, Jamie, centering yourself. I'm well, I'm well. I've had the customary, extraordinarily large meal. We went out for Szechuan food. Uh, it was great. Now, were you really, inspired really by our conversation in the last episode? or No, not so much. Uh, Rachel went out. To this place uh, with some work friends or ex-work friends last week, and was raving about it and wanted to go back, and so that was. What the, did you have? I love Szechuan food so much, so I want to know what you oh, had. So I don't. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to be able to remember the names of the dishes, but we had. If a, you describe them, I might be able to yeah, tell you. Yep, yep, yep. There's the the tofu one with mapo uh, tofu. I think I think it was mapo tofu. There it was there was a fish. Was. With just like a bunch of Szechuan peppercorns and some mm. some greens, there was like a fried chicken thing um, that was really excellent. Mm. And that's then that's there was probably some... Chong Quing. That pronunciation, by the way, might be terrible, but it's like C H O N G Q Q I N G. Yeah, and then um, and then we had some ribs, and so like the intention actually, <laughs> we got there and we were like, we're gonna order three, and they're like, Let, let's order some more and then have leftovers because mm. you know that's that's the plan. And then we got about. 60% of the way through and I'm like alright I'm full and then the other two because uh, it was Rachel and we had another friend um, they like kept picking at it and then we're getting closer and closer and I was like alright I'll take some more rice I'll, I'll. and then I yeah. always end up with leftovers from Szechuan and it's fantastic stuff the yeah. next day um should I talk about what I just ate? Because I all I also just had lunch. If we're, we're going to do a lunch tangent, um, although right. I guess yours wasn't lunch. I had uh, I made tom yum soup. Mm. At the end. Cool. Let's let's talk about the stuff though, right? It's been we got big, big news. Yeah, this is like a recording the day after we already did a recording because such big stuff has just happened. We got to talk about it. So let's get right into the news of news the week. Of the week. And now, the Board Ape Your Club section, because yeah, so, we're merging well, it into one at the same I, I didn't think we should do it with that voice, but you've already made the decision for us. Yeah, for this episode, <laughs> the news of the week and the Board Ape Yacht Club segment are just going to have to be merged, because all the big news is happening within the Board Ape Yacht Club uh, this week, it seems. So do you want to go back to the earlier thing or jump right into what just happened? Let's jump right into what just happened, and I'm sure okay. we'll touch on the earlier thing. We so yesterday, on, yeah. yep, yesterday yeah. we were finally told ApeCoin is officially coming out. It's coming out tomorrow, i.e. today. And now the listeners are listening to this a different day, so let me, let me just backtrack a little bit. On the 16th <laughs> of March, they announced that ApeCoin will be out on the 17th of March, and it is now the 17th of March as we're recording this. That's a lot of uh, words and talking just to get this point across. But anyway, that happened, and um, I'm sick of talking, so now I'll let you talk. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it, this is it. ApeCoin is out. This was the like we've right. been talking about this basically every time we record one of these board yeah. Ape Club segments. We were over told the last it few would months. be in Q1. Q1. 
And that was getting late in the game. And I think there was some talk that, like, you know, their lawyers and regulatory blah, 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 just meant that maybe they were going to have to push it back. And I was starting to buy into it. I mean, we're getting pretty late in the game. two weeks left. With no updates. Although they don't usually give updates. They kind of just wait until they're pretty much ready to to have something roll out. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's here. They they announced it yesterday, the 16th. And then uh, they basically... Launched the website as well, apecoin.com, I'm pretty sure it is. Yes, uh, it is. Yep. Uh, which had a whole bunch of details about what it is, what it's going to do, how to claim it, what the allocation is going to be. Basically answering, because it's been like wild speculation Yeah, for many months about how it's going to be, uh, w- what the distribution was, how are they going to like decide between whether mutants, how much do the, mutants get versus yeah. apes versus dogs and all of that. The ratio of apes to mutants, I feel like, was the biggest thing that people were kind of wondering about. And a lot of the speculation was basically that they would they would take their cues from the market mm. and, um, you know, have that ratio be close to what the floor prices for those indicated. I was less confident in that idea because I th- mm. think I sort of trust them to lead the way that they kind of think it should be led. Mm. Um, but they also are, you know vocal about the fact that they want to continuously decentralize all of this and have it mm. be more basically just in the community's hands. So yeah. in that sense, it does make sense for them to take their keys. And they did. They specifically said they they basically looked at the floor prices over a one-month period. I think it was like mm. um, February 7th through March 8th or something like that. Yeah. Um, and so that was how they got their ratio for mutants to apes in terms of the distribution. Now, do you want to get into the specifics? There's there's a lot to talk about. Mm, I'll just I'll just lot. say a thing and, and ping pong off of you. But first off, one thing I found very interesting, um, only 15% of the allocation went to holders of Board Ape Yacht Club, Mutant Ape Yacht Club, and the, mm. and the Board Ape Kennel Club, um, which seems like sort of an interesting, savvy move if their goal is to to expand the size of the community, but also a bit um, surprising. And for people that are sort of um, maybe short-sighted and selfish, uh, not not a big enough number. I, I thought it was, I was surprised by how small it was, but I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, I I actually haven't seen anyone complaining about it being too small or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Perhaps because... Just the straight up. I saw saw one or two tweets. Yeah, Um, I think as well. It's uh, if we go into a little more detail and and look at some of the proposals that are staking on the discussion board. um, It sounds like there'll be there's a proposal for there to be, which is almost certain to get approved, a mechanism by which uh, anyone can stake board ape your club assets. So apes, mutant apes, dogs paired with an ape, um, as well as ape coin. And then depending on what they stake and how much they stake, get a return um, of more ape coin. So it's like, right. just you get this initial claim, but if you hold, so it's like incentivizing people to hold basically and stake yeah. early. That, that was actually another interesting thing is that in the lead up, you know, just so much speculation on Twitter. Um, I think a lot of people were expecting it not to be something where it kind of just got dropped all at once Mm. in the way that it sort of did, even though, you know, as you're saying, it's not all at once, but um, I think there was a lot of speculation that it would sort of be an immediately you stake and then you start accruing it because so many of these airdrop tokens in other projects, um, when you just give it all 
away immediately. And then, you know, theoretically, you want to kind of build up the um, utility of the token over time. Mm -hmm. If the market's valuing it highly initially, it's so easy for people to dump it and um, rather than wait for, you know, theoretical utility and stuff. But they also um, launched with like sort of a lot of launch partners and like news around it immediately. Whereas, you know, stuff like SOS or looks, um, you know, the coin was out and it might have its one use within the governance of that uh, protocol or with looks, you know, in terms of the trading rewards. Whereas this, it was like, we had multiple projects going, we have a game in the works that's going to use this. We have a game that's already out that's immediately using it. Um, I didn't even know that. What game is that? um, It's an Animoca Brands game, something bananas. It's like a regular Mm. app store game. And now, I guess, um, I'm not totally sure how it works, but I think specifically there's one NFT you can get. And if you have that in your wallet, the game basically becomes play to earn for your account. And then you will Hmm. accrue ApeCoin as you play, I I believe is how that works. Um, and, And that's already live as far as I know. That's cool. Yeah. And then... As well as a bunch of the centralized exchanges just going, yeah, we're going to have it like yeah, right from the get go. Lost at them, yeah, yeah. So, so that um, sort of thing was able to, in my mind, or you know, theoretically so far, because it's still early, counteract the the um, concept of people just kind of immediately dumping. Yeah, and I've seen sort of on that note a lot of well, some people comparing it to like how is this going to be different to SOS gas, the you know the, right. the airdrops, even ENS to an extent. Um, and to begin with, I think ENS is different to the other two, but let's say, yeah. again, it, it's sort of like ApeCoin is launching with a really well-established flesh-out ecosystem, things in the works, the as most, well as... The yeah, most established most, in the entire yeah. NFT, except maybe if you wanted to say Axie on, on some level, but regardless. Yeah. They also, they, they announced their board, like the the people who are just like helping... Um, provide mm-hmm. some oversight, at least to begin with, um, in terms of, they. I think they wrote the proposals and stuff. Again, they're not deciding what happens with them. It's, it's ApeCoin holders who get to vote on these, but they're just helping, you know, be a little bit of, um, just like an advisory board, basically. And it's mm-hmm. it's packed. It's got Alex Ohanian, who is a co-founder of Reddit, and he's now a is general Is it Alex partner. or Alexis? I, for some reason, I thought Alexis, it was... sorry, Alexis. Yeah. Alexis Ohanian. Um, Do you know who he's married to, by the way? I do not. Oh, that's kind of pathetic of you. Continue. Well, who is he married to? Um, maybe the greatest tennis player of all time, uh, Serena Williams. Okay. I do not know that. Now you do. Well, you She's go. so good at tennis. Yeah. Anyway, Continue. We, there's Amy Wu, <laughs> head of ventures and gaming at FTX. Uh, Maria Bajwa, principal at Sound Ventures. Yatsui. See you, uh, co-founder of che- uh, and chairman of Animoca, which is obviously a huge thing, and then Dean Steinbeck, president and general counsel at Horizon Labs. So these are these are very well experienced heavy hitters in many respective industries and can bring a lot of value to the table. Basically, yes, yeah, yeah. I, I have you ever listened to Alexis's podcast? He co-hosts a podcast. It's called Oh, I should have figured out if i could remember the name before i started doing this this is um, pathetic it is anyway he's he's got a good nft podcast <laughs> that he co-hosts and i'm sorry that i'm blanking on the name right now but um 
it's, uh, it's good stuff. Think, yeah. And I like his thought processes. He's, he has an interesting perspective, um, at, you know, as somebody who built a big fucking thing in, in web 2.0, but who is also, mm. you know, cognizant of this newer, theoretically better thing that is being built now. And, and that's just an interesting perspective that there's very few people, you know, like the, he's like Dom Hoff in that sense where, you know, you've mm. got this experience, although, you know, arguably Reddit much more successful than Vine. Yeah. Um, but regardless, you know, Kevin Rose he, is another one. What, I actually don't really know what he's did before. I thought uh, he was kind of just rich and worked for stuff. Oh, dig. Okay. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I find that perspective, those, those people very interesting. And it's, it's specifically, he's also very good at articulating his thoughts mm. on the podcast. It's, it's a good listen. Nice. Uh, we will try and find the name of it and put a link to it in the description below. I can I can get it within yeah thirty seconds of this. I'm actually going to do it. Um, let me talk about the, some specifics. So, ApeCoin, the total um, fully diluted supply is one billion, I believe, one billion mm-hmm. coins. That sounds right. Um, and roughly, ape holders, like OG ape holders, were able to claim about ten thousand. Tokens, mutants are about two thousand, and then each, if you pair each. each each per each token, and then if you paired a dog with either a mutant or an ape, you got about just under nine hundred. Um, mm-hmm. And the price has been fluctuating quite a bit, but it's sort oh of settled God, yeah. between about seven to eight dollars for like yeah, at least last few hours. That's worth talking about, right? The the floor price before the announcement yesterday to the mm. peak before we were able to claim to now where it is like that, that whole thing was huge. Um, and, yeah. And for the NFTs discussing. themselves. I mean, apes went from like 80 ish to 110 back down to 80 or something like that. Basically. Or, yeah. Yeah. Very quickly. Um, and it's actually, you know, if, if you're in the stock market and you have um, stocks that pay dividends and stuff, you'll, or, or ones that spin off part of a company and stuff like that. You'll see this kind of thing very routinely. And, and the market actually did so far a very good job because the, the peak floor price, um, you know, before we were able to claim to where it is now has been running very, very closely with the value that right, you get of the from, claim. Um, yeah. Which is, you know, predictable, but some people might think that the market is not quite sophisticated enough for that, but mm. it seems to be. Um, yeah. What else do you want to talk about? Because I, I have plenty of other things I want to talk about, but the the savvy stuff that these people were able to do with like sandwich attack, minor extractive mm. value, that kind of stuff, and like these vaults, um, these liquidity pool vaults, all, all of that stuff is real interesting to me. Um, liquidity pool vaults? I don't, I don't know what that so, is. So like you know, these NFTX vaults and stuff like that, mm. where basically you can <clears throat> um, deposit an NFT into a vault or liquidity pool, although liquidity pool is sort of, a, it doesn't matter, um, a collection of these, and you basically get a token that represents one random NFT mm. inside of that. And then at a later time, if you want to, you can trade that in and get one random NFT from it. So it's like, it's just another way to provide liquidity. Um, And occasionally the price of one of those tokens will like drop a little bit below the floor on, Mm. you know, looks rare and open sea. And then the smart people who want just a floor piece can get one from there, blah, blah, blah. 
Um, yeah. But what what someone was able to do on NFTX has one, and there's another site, and I, I, I'm sorry, I can't think of the name of it, that does the same thing. They were able to, within a single transaction, right after we were able to claim the ApeCoin, extract one of the um, apes from the vault, get their coins, hmm. put it back in, extract, put and, and they took all of the ape coin for wow. every single ape in it. And they ended up getting like somewhere between four to $600,000 worth in a single trip for like, you know, $400 worth of gas. Yeah. Um, People are so smart. I know. And, and then, and then all of the NFTs in the pool no longer had ape coin that you could claim because this one yeah. person did it. Um, that was impressive. There was another one where somebody spent $46 and ended up with two point seven million dollars worth of. Is that real? Coin. I saw that, mm-hmm. and I, I was, yeah. oh, man. So I'm I'm not sure if it was a sandwich attack or if it was. I, I think what happened is somebody tried to make a big swap in MetaMask, and mm. uh, somebody who was looking at the mempool saw the transaction, and there like wasn't enough liquidity in the liquidity pool for the person to do the swap easily or something. Or, or the the person that exploited had the liquidity in the pool and withdrew it after they saw the transaction, and then when it went through, the the value of the pool is basically saying you, because you know how these yeah, constant yeah, yeah, product yeah. ones work. Um, so so basically, they ended up just swapping, um, you know, two point something million dollars worth of ether for two point five ApeCoin, which is worth you know eleven dollars or whatever. Um, so that was amazing. oh man it's so crazy yeah and there was also a couple people who just I think bought it for like $40 or $100 yeah it just in the very just first seconds of tradings not, yeah. not realizing what a market order is or or I don't know how you fuck up that badly yeah I mean it's- I, I was having a little trouble though I was initially trying to I, I wanted to sell a little bit today so yeah. I got 10,958 coin and i wanted to uh swap out 2500 of that immediately mm. and i just kept not changing my slippage on uniswap like an idiot and had like four <laughs> failed transactions until i changed it from 0.5 to 2.5 and then it went through fine yeah um so what's your what's your strategy is it now to just hold the rest long term i mean that that's that's my vague plan but it's it's not like um you know, I, have, I haven't wrote a note to myself promising that I will not sell for six months or, or right. anything at all like that. But for the most part, um, I'm happy with my liquidity position right now. And I'm bullish on the economy of, or the ecosystem, I should say, probably, of of Yuga Labs and the Board Ape Yacht Club. So my plan is to hold the rest. But um, I could easily see myself selling a bit more tomorrow if it runs up mm. another 50 or 75% or something. Yeah. I, I'm i in a similar boat. So I sold um, maybe about 20% of my allocation mm-hmm. um, that I claimed. Yeah, mine, mine ended up being 21.8%, I think, because I also had that extra dog um, that yeah. got me a, a little bit more. And... Um, I am thinking about selling more just because I have basically not taken any profits on anything ape related. Like right. I still have, I, I guess I, I sold a few mutants, but that was yeah, like, you, I bought, a, you bought a bunch the, at three. the night of the Dutch yeah. auction. Mm-hmm. 
and I flipped them for like between five and seven. So that was like, that to me doesn't seem like capturing the true value of these apes that I bought for 0.5 that are now 100 ETH and right. that have spawned off dogs and mutants. And uh, anyway, um, I guess I sold two dogs at a certain point. But yeah, in terms of real, real value, like this was a huge airdrop. And I think yes. it would be nice to, yeah, take some, take some profits. Take some profits. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, I mean, that's that's the thing that people talk about so often with these NFT projects is that when they give you some sort of airdrop, it gives you a way to take out some profits, get your money back, whatever the case may be, without having to sell the main NFT. Um, yeah. And, and so far for this ecosystem, it sounds like you've done a little bit of that with the with the mutants and the dogs, but not... Um, not timed perfectly or, or not a big enough yeah. percentage. So this is just another good example. It's also, you know, because this is a coin rather than um, an NFT, it's it's very, very customizable how much you can yes. sell, yeah. which, excuse me, is very nice. Rather than yeah. having to sell the whole dog or not sell the dog at all, yeah. you can just sell some percentage of these coins, which is what yeah. we have both done here. Um. Yeah. I, another thing that though that I'm thinking about is tax and like thinking about it more now because I mean everyone should be thinking about tax and being proactive about it and figuring out what the tax implications are of your actions because just before you do them rather than afterwards. Um, and my situation is going to change because we're planning to go back to Australia next year and then it's like, do I want to sell? I, I don't know. It, I, it's another thing that I'm thinking about more now. Um, you finally have night. a tax bill looming, basically, you're saying. <laughs> I, well, I, have, I have a tax bill already. It's just, it's it's not as significant because I've been holding so much because if you hold for 12 months, it's tax-free in right. Germany and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, but from next year onwards, it'll, it'll be a much more significant. So but as a resident of Germany, does that mean that if you did, let, let's, I, again, I don't know, what Australia actually considers a taxable thing. But if you did, if you had a regular ass job, like, like for instance, um, well, it doesn't matter, but if you had a job that was earning money, would they not be interested in the taxes just because you're living abroad? Yes, pretty much. That's amazing. America is so <laughs> much, so much I mean, more insistent on if, getting their taste than yeah. Australia. If, um, if I had just come here for three months and was earning, then, uh, because I'm specifically a resident, and I guess even more specifically a tax resident, so it's like there's yeah. this delineation. So when I left Australia, um, I, I, it was as if I was paying tax, as if I was selling the assets and then rebuying them in Germany. So like I had a bunch of stocks, okay. and then so like I left Australia, and then all right, so you bought the stocks at this price, you sold, you have them at this price, and you, you leave the country. Sold, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so even though I wasn't selling them, but because I was right. leaving the country, the amount that I had earned that that counts as like a realized gain, and so I had yeah. to pay tax on that. Um, but that also means that from that point onwards, okay, I'm so that not makes some sense then. An Australian, they're, get, they're getting their taste resident. when you leave, right? Yeah, and then to some extent. Yeah. Um. Anyway, we didn't. Yeah. Um, this is uh, two two board accountants talking about taxes. <laughs> I, I genuinely had a riveting conversation about tax last night. Um, I, I mean, I doubt that, but <laughs> well, I guess I'll take your word for it. <laughs> what was riveting yeah. about it? Uh, give us a recap. 
It was just, well, looking at the software, the crypto tax calculator is the, the I, I spoke to the founder and, and looking at just, it's it's getting closer to that magical piece of software that we all want where you just plug yes. in your ETH address. Um, you plug in all your ETH addresses and all the exchanges and it spits out a pretty good yeah, yeah just interface um, showing of what you did and then you can really break it down and like, yeah, it just, it was cool. And then also like you can kind of sort by you filter it in all sorts of ways and kind of find ways to optimize your tax bill. So say if you if it's you know coming up to the the twelve month limit for like you know long term holdings, you, it'll, mm-hmm. you can see when that is, and you're like, all right, maybe I'm not going to sell today. If I wait two months, I'm going to save it. Or yeah. oh, I have these trashy NFTs. You can filter by like unrealized losses, and then just say, all right, I should just list or sell these or burn these or whatever it is. Right. Which it, it seemed cool. And I'm excited to use the software just to check it out. Yeah. Riveting. Anyway, anyway, back to ApeCoin. Yeah, there's still plenty more there's we so can talk much. about. You want to talk about some of the proposals or look at the tokenomics of because we, you know, we said 15% went to the holders, but there's what about the other 85%? We could talk about that. There. Yeah, let's talk about that. Where's the other 85% going? <clears throat> That's a great question. Let me scroll down here. So we got 62% goes to the ecosystem fund, which is basically the treasury of the DAO itself. 16% is going to a combination of Yuga Labs and the Jane Goodall Legacy Foundation, which is a charity that helps out, I guess, um, great apes or something like that. Um, because she was very big uh, with like gorillas, I remember her being. Um, mm. I, I don't know. How broad she goes in the um, <laughs> Simeon category or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. Um, and then 14% to launch contributors, which I guess is sort of like the board and the VC investors and stuff like mm. that. Um, and then 8, 8% goes to the BAYC founders. So the, the four fellas that we know as Garga, Tomato, something and something. I... um. Yeah, I, I heard I saw a tweet today about how it, that like ApeCoin is pretending like Yuga Labs and the founders are different entities, and I'm like, they're literally different entities. They are literally different entities. That's true. Yeah. They, they, it's you know, if it was a Venn diagram, there would be an overlap in the middle uh, of, right. of the four founders. But yeah, um, they're part of Yuga Labs, but yes, Yuga Labs Yuga is Labs much larger than just other the things, four of them for sure. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I think 62% going to the ecosystem fund. So that I mean that's a hefty chunk. And so like at the beginning you were saying how like 15% to apes seems like a low amount, but I think that's the initial claim and then I think the idea is based on one of the proposals that some of the 62% will also funnel towards those yeah. ape holders who are staking. Yeah. yeah. Or or you could sort of argue that if it just sits there, the 15% that you have um is allowing you to sort of govern that 62% and yeah. you could almost subtract it because it's like we, we all own that 62.5% mm. by by virtue of being part of this. Um, so the, the 15% of the remaining is is a much greater percentage than 15 of 100. Yeah. It's probably also worth mentioning um, like the vesting schedules of the, the tokens that like Yuga Labs, the founders and yeah. the contributors have. Um, it varies, but basically the lion's share of all of them are locked up for 12 months and then they start to unlock on a monthly basis. Uh, some of the launch contributors have uh, an allocation that's 
unlocked upfront. I'm just reading it now. Um, looks like 10 million tokens in total are unlocked upfront out of 140 million that go to the launch contributors. So that's that's a hundred million dollars um, or eighty million dollars um, at current prices. But then 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 it starts vesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, twelve in twelve months' time, I wonder if we'll see. I mean, the market will probably price in this sell-off anticipation, um, right? Yeah, but that but that basically means that a ton of the supply is just not out there for trading. Like, if you consider the ecosystem fund, that's not been claimed by apes. That's like it's in a treasury that no one has decided yet what to do with. And then all of this amount that's vested, there's actually not that huge of an amount beyond what the apes float, were able to so claim. To speak, yeah, um, is quite low right now. Yeah. The um, yeah. If we look at like the the fully diluted market cap value, it's like a billion tokens. The price of ApeCoin is like eight dollars, eight billion dollar market cap. That's a lot. Like that's that's a freaking lot. It is. Yeah. And and you can you know again do the things that people like to do where you go well if you look at Dogecoin if you look at Shib, yeah. um, it's it's so cheap and um. Yes, if 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 you compare it to something that is sort of unanimously agreed to be very overvalued, it looks <laughs> less ridiculous. No, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But that's yeah. probably not the best way to try and um, ascertain whether or not something is over or undervalued. I think, but yeah. I, I also think that the price is is quite possibly not ridiculous. Um, mm. You know, we were, we talked about this in the group chat a little bit yesterday. I don't know how much you saw uh, of me going back and forth with with our one friend who's a, an ape futter, but um, you know, we call all this stuff like Web three, right? And we believe that there are distinct superiorities in terms of what you can do here that you can't do in Web two And so I was basically just kind of talking in the chat last night about how. You know, if that is true, if a lot of value that is currently flowing to the really big tech companies of Web 2.0, things like Google and, and Facebook, for instance, is now going to kind of come over to Web 3 companies, there's just going to have to be, you know, brands, protocols, all of these things that are worth like unfathomably large numbers of mm. billions of dollars. I mean, yeah. Google is over a trillion dollar company at this point, or I guess yeah. I should technically say Alphabet, um, which is mm. the parent company of Google. But regardless, uh, you know, there, there's just, there's so much money out there. And the degree to which Yuga and Apes appear, you know, I, I'm biased, sure, we all are, appears to be um, executing on their plan and, sort of setting the roadmap that others projects are just completely copying um, is just, it, it, it's night and day and their lead seems so big that the potential for them to be e enormous is there. And now again, we can also go back to, um, you know, we, I talked about this kind of thing with like ENS and, and um, some other things where, uh, governance is not the same thing as equity, right? So even if mm. the company gets extremely large, it's not exactly the same thing as having ownership in Yuga Labs where literally the, you know, the royalties and the sales of future NFTs and stuff like that are going to you. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not 
it, it's not a completely analogous situation, but um, it's worth keeping in mind how big the stuff that we're theoretically replacing is when you're mm-hmm. looking at, um, you know, the valuation of this. But still, it's like, you know, they're, they're valued at more than some really big established things that have certainly been around longer and done more like um, you know, NBA teams, for instance, they're generally speaking, not worth this much money. And, you know, they have huge fan bases and have all these income streams, blah, 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 blah. So there's a lot of ways to look at it. Um, but ultimately yeah. I think what it comes down to is that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a to be determined type thing. You know, we're not looking at a basket of easily valuable assets we're looking at a evolving and growing uh you know brand company series of protocols whatever um so the the range of what it can ultimately be worth in 10 years is really enormous um and so like maybe it's crazily overvalued and maybe it's crazily undervalued they both seem totally possible to me it can also be kind of both at the same time where it's overvalued in the short term and undervalued in the long term, maybe, if that's possible. Like, Yeah, I mean, I guess it, then you're getting into talking about like the time value of money and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Because, because um, go ahead. No, I, I was going to get into the some of the proposals, but you finish. I, I was just going to kind of pontificate a little bit more about the time value of money, which is not not as riveting as that tax conversation you had the other day. Um, all right. So in the uh, – there's basically a forum for where people can – well, the board members have basically made a bunch of proposals just to kick things off about you know the values of the DAO, proposing um, how things might get started and get kicked off. And I mean, there's a lot to dig into there, and we're not going to get into all of it. But there's five of them right now. Five of them. Um, they're called AIPs. I'm assuming Ape Improvement Protocol is what that stands for, mm-hmm. or something. Um, number three, specifically, is one I wanted to talk about. It's the ecosystem fund allocation. And so we mentioned before how there was a 62% was going to the ecosystem fund of that apes were initially able to claim 15%. There's still a bunch more of ape token and stuff to have stuff done with. Um, and this is sort of like the first proposal of what we can do with that. And so I'm just going to specifically go through. They they propose that 6% of the ecosystem fund gets allocated to... Which would be like, um, sorry, like 3.6% yeah. of the total yeah. coins. Um, two or four events, game development, education, marketing, and merch. And specifically, 3.2% of the ecosystem fund for game development, 1.2% for events, 0.8% for merch, 0.5% for marketing and education efforts, and 0.3% for an ApeCoin NFT marketplace, which, I mean, that's something a lot of people speculated about, about whether Yuga would come out with their own marketplace just because... I mean, the amount of volume that's traded on OpenSea and that every single trade, 2.5% is going to OpenSea. Right. If, literally, if, if this marketplace just served Yuga Labs NFTs, that would, that would bring in so much money. If, yeah, um, I mean, like if you could magically get people to stop using OpenSea or whatever. Right. Too. Which I, I don't think would be that difficult if it's done well. Um, yeah, I mean, but you would also maybe think that Looks Rare would be stealing more of their stuff. It's 
they're offering essentially the same service at less fees now and fees that you can take part in, in having them go to you yeah. as opposed to OpenSea where none of them go to you and they still only have a, a very small portion of OpenSea's mm. volume. So it's not that easy seemingly to just get people to change their habits on which marketplace they use. It, it's also, it's very much seems to me a chicken and egg problem where you go, mm-hmm. well, the, the, Sellers aren't there, so the buyers aren't there, which means the sellers aren't there, which means the buyers aren't there. Right. And on and on it goes. On that though, like, so I do basically all my buying. If I buy an NFT now, I use via gem.xyz because it's just cheaper than OpenSea or looks rare in terms of gas, um, whether you're buying one or whether you're buying 10. And I'll notice, like, if I'm buying a bunch, because it's a marketplace aggregator, sometimes I'm buying from OpenSea, sometimes I'm buying from LookRare, LooksRare. I'm not even going to OpenSea or LooksRare really to, to buy. Yeah. I'm going to Gem. So if you're going to sell, it basically behooves you to list on uh, LooksRare as well as OpenSea because, again, you get rewards for selling. You get compensated. The fees are lower. It just... And, and I think we're going to see more and more of this. As more marketplaces pop up, these aggregators are going to be where people conduct more of their activity. Um, that's It's a whole other thing. I want to know, like, how are these aggregators making money? Are they making money? Are they mm-hmm. going to monetize in the future? All sorts of other questions. But I think um, it's just a great... They're, they're great, honestly. Great yeah, tools. Yeah, I, I saw yeah. a nice graph the other day, and I, and I shared it with you, I believe, that basically showed um, the percentage of OpenSea's volume that Looks Rare is doing. And it was kind of hovering at, like, 2.5% or something like that. And then... Gem added looks rare to its product. So now when you're using Gem, you can buy uh, NFTs listed on both OpenSea and looks rare, whereas before it was mm. just OpenSea. And it basically immediately shot up their percentage to like 8%. Yeah. So that's that's a big step. And you know, that that's a situation where, you know, how I'm talking about it, it's it's a chicken and egg situation. That kind of gives you a little bit of chicken and a little bit of egg. Mm. I yeah. wish I wasn't using so much analogy, which is going to make you know the other chickens and egg go. Oh, there's some chicken here, there's some egg here, <laughs> and on and on it goes. You get the idea. But, do, uh, do we? <laughs> I think so. Even though the, the analogy is is no longer helping, we all still, I think, know what I'm saying. This is the news of the weekend, boy. Your club check section, and we're talking about eggs and chickens. Chicken and egg. <sighs> um. What else? What else? Um, we, we, haven't can, even, we, we haven't even talked about Yuga Labs buying. Yeah, let's let's finish up on the ApeCoin thing and then talk about yeah. what happened like a week and a half ago or something at this point. Yeah, time is so weird. Let's 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 sit here for fifteen seconds and just ponder if there's anything else we want to talk about. ApeCoin. Oh, I, I got one more thing. Okay, sure. there we go. Boom. It's um, the staking. So we we we've touched on it before about how there's this ecosystem fund and how if you have so like 15% of the initial, like the entire um, 1 billion tokens was immediately available for claim. But there's a proposal now to take a uh, significant percentage. I can't, I can't 17. quite remember. 17.5, 17.5%. Yep, that's right. Um, to be distributed um, over three years for anyone that is staking any BAYC or ApeCoin assets. So uh, I... I, I if I'm remembering it correctly, like I, I didn't do a deep dive into it, but anyone can stake ApeCoin and and get rewards. That's open to everyone basically who has ApeCoin. If you add any 
NFT, so a bored ape, a mutant ape, or a dog paired with that, you get like a multiplier and you'll just be able to get better rewards. Um, and it's just a way to like incentivize early adopters, um, you know, and and just, yeah, incentivize their participation in activities that benefit the entire ape ecosystem and hopefully come up with proposals and ways to bring new people. That's the end goal, right? Bringing others into this whole ecosystem yeah. in a way that's uh, Increasingly and rewarding. decentralizing the brand is something that they have been um, vocal about wanting mm-hmm. to do, and, and that's a possible way to do it. It, it could sort of have the opposite effect um, it, because you're talking about people that already have some stake in it getting more of it, mm-hmm. um, but it's you know also a way to attract outside capital to to join in and, yeah. and take part in it too. So it's, I mean, you kind of just have to wait and see, I guess, to to see mm-hmm. how it happens. Um, I suspect it's it's going to be growing the ecosystem because so many people who, ha- like ourselves, who had some allocation of ape coin, sold some, and presumably there's more people that are buying who aren't in the ecosystem. Like yeah, for. For sure, right now the ape coin is is increasing it, but then mm-hmm. I'm talking specifically about the staking mechanism. You know, staking mm-hmm. mechanism is definitely something that can increase centralization. Yeah, um, yeah. But just because it, by definition, is saying the people that are already in are going to accrue yeah. more over time. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. Um. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's also, man. It's it's very interesting, and just the the degree to which they are, um, you know, sophisticated and um, working with other entities, it seems so much greater than other mm-hmm. NFT projects and and the DAOs associated with those projects and the ERC twenties associated with all those projects. It just seems like. Um, so many of those are just okay. We're going to slowly over time. You're going to accrue these, and then maybe you can use them to get another NFT. Whereas this mm. seems more like um, like the Nouns DAO ecosystem, for instance, where it's like we're trying to do stuff yeah. globally in the real world and in in the digital world mm. to just increase awareness of this. Theoretically, maybe make the world a better place. I mean, like right now, the Jane Goodall Foundation. Um, the last time I checked, the amount that they're getting times the price of uh, uh, the coin was at the time, they're getting like $80 million, which is amazing. amazing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like they are, and by the way, this is going to lead right into the thing we, we also wanted to talk about, about what they did with Larva Labs. But um, I feel like they're really just setting a huge example and are possibly um, like, uncatchably far ahead in, in a lot of ways and in a way that I really didn't think that they were until very recently. Um, you know, people talked about will apes flip punks, will they not? And, um, you know, people had opinions both ways. Yeah, I, I figured that they would and they did. But then I also was figuring, well, surely something will be hot on their heels. But their their ability to continually um, meet and exceed expectations mm. and increase the size of the community is just fantastic so far. Um, and I don't 
I don't know how easy it's going to be for somebody to to take the throne from them at this point. Yeah, yeah, especially after acquiring punks and me, but that was just. If you look at the top volume over the last twenty four hours or seven days on OpenSea, the top four or five, they're all Yuga Labs. It's it's Bored Apes, it's Mutant Apes, it's Mebits, yeah. it's CryptoPunks, it's Kennel Club. It's ludicrous. That's and obviously pretty amazing. because they're in, you know, all this news is happening right now, so yes. it's all about them, but pretty much at all times in the yeah, top if you, 10. Yeah, if you went back four yeah. weeks, they would still have, you know, four of the top 10 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mebits, though, really, they had very, <laughs> very little volume other than, you know, for looks rare um, reward farming. Yeah. Until until this. Yeah. It's um Yeah. So yeah, we haven't really spoken about it. We touched on it in the Twitter QA episode, but Yuga Labs acquired the IP to punks and Mebits about a week and, and a half most ago. of the um the dev punks that they still owned. Yes. And stuff. Which I think four hundred or so, and seven hundred Mebits or something. I don't remember like that. what the num- the numbers are, but most yeah. of those they also acquired, I know. Yeah, which is, which is a lot. And the first thing that they did, basically the only other thing they did was said, all right, we're now giving full commercial rights to all NFT holders similar to the Bored Apes. Right. And, it, and it they basically just, also said, we're, our plan for the most part is to be hands-off and to listen to the community. But for right now, we're just, you've got your IP. Yeah. Which, yeah. I mean, there were mixed reactions from the community. I think... Some some people were not happy with the fact that uh, one central entity is now accumulating so much, I guess, power and and con- like mm-hmm. market share, um, and, and I guess especially in conjunction with like the whole KYC thing a week before, it was like people right. were, like getting really spooked. Um, and on the flip side, there's the argument: well, if you're a punk holder, you just have more rights now than you did before, yeah. and it's yeah. It's it's so, hard to sp- from my perspective. It's hard to spin it as a negative thing for an individual punk holder that isn't aimed at Larva Labs. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. Yuga only was able to get the stuff from Larva because Larva was willing to sell it to them, right? So if you're upset that it got sold, you have to be, I think, mad at the people who had it and sold it. Yeah. Um, so that's level one. And the level two is the only thing they've done is give you something that you didn't have before, which is full rights to the IP mm. of your individual NFTs from the project. Um, yeah. You know, there, there is definitely has been some talk historically from punk owners about like execution risk and, um, you know, legality risk or whatever that they felt like punks were very immune from because Larva Labs wasn't doing anything with them <laughs> and had no roadmaps and all this stuff. And it was maybe just art or just a yeah. historical collectible or whatever the case may be. Um, so, you know, they, they can kind of fear that in the future, maybe that kind of stuff is going to creep in. And, and that's reasonable. But mm. right now, they've, they being Yuga Labs has said, we're not planning on doing stuff with these uh, yeah. other than just giving you the IP. Um, but, you know, if, if you're cynical and we're on team Larva Labs and Punks and, and anti-Yuga from the jump, it's sure you can spin it to be a negative. Yeah. 
I think another concern I it sort of just made people realize that this is now a possibility. Like the, these acquisitions, these mergers, right. they're going to happen more. Um, and there's some people who are afraid that w- what if Disney comes along and wants to buy you for $10, 20000000000 billion? Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, they technically own the life, like the, the intellectual property. And yeah, because yeah, yeah, we don't actually own the IP to our apes. We just have a license that allows us to use it full commercial rights. Right. So th- there's a bit of a distinction there. And, and that means that, yeah, if Yuga Labs gets sold, the IP can get sold and then the new person who owns it, we would have to enter into a new intellectual property licensing agreement with them, I believe. Um, and hopefully Yuga would not sell. Um, if they did, hopefully it would be to someone who honored all that kind of stuff. But right. It's yeah, so just like, a possibility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When, when Larva sold to Yuga, it increased the amount of... Um, yeah rights you had as an individual holder but theoretically um other acquisitions it could go down Mm. Um, and and that's a valid concern from random people there's also just um you know it's there's something fun about there being tons of different communities um and if there's consolidation maybe people just don't like that because it feels less unique less less decentralized less interesting Mm -hmm. um I don't know. It's always been a thing that I've talked about um, in terms of how much overlap there already seems to be in these projects. So the idea of the communities being super distinct and separate is a little bit um, facetious, not facetious, fallacious. Is that a word? (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's false. It's a fallacy, right? Uh, Fallacious, I think, is is a word that means that um, because so many of the people that are, you know, in this community are also actually just a part of that community. But yeah. because there's not that many of us still, still in these NFT profile picture communities. There really isn't. That's um, crazy. Are we about ready to wrap up and head into the art block segment though? We've been talking about apes and news. Yeah, I mean, I, I could talk about apes a lot longer, but we should probably move on and save. Yeah, we can talk about more stuff in the next episode. Yeah. Big stuff coming, Uh, and um, one of the biggest that people have been waiting for has finally happened. ApeCoin's here. ApeCoin's here. Board Ape Yacht Club. News of the week. News of the week. Board Ape Yacht Club. Art Blocks. Now, Roy, I learned something yesterday about Art Blocks. Um, Uh Uh-huh. Would you care to hear it? I would. I like hearing about Uplooks. Okay, let me just click a couple buttons here and f- find would a thing. I thought you'd be more prepared for a professional podcast recording. Um, so can you can you pull up a um, an Artblocks <laughs> live link? <laughs> Stop laughing. I can. I can. An Artblocks live link of an Entree Tiempos for me. Uh-huh. Possibly the one that I own, but it doesn't have to be. It what, what number do you own? Mine is one fourteen. Oh my god! I just randomly clicked one, and it's owned by you. Nine nine eight. That's funny. Huh? That's uh, yeah, that's a thing. I think I have like eight of them. So, so this is this is a thing I didn't know, but maybe you already know it, and it's not going to be as interesting to you. But pu- pull that up. And for um, our listeners here, Roy, Roy's looking <laughs> was, a little bit stupid and and unable to get. 
I was searching, but I had the staging website up because we were going to talk about the upcoming curated uh, drop, and okay. then it just didn't have entry um, TM. Entry TM posts. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, what number again did you say? It doesn't matter. Mine is one fourteen. It's just it's it is a nice one to look at. But you can pull up any of them for the thing that I'm about to reveal. Share screen. And apologies to the podcast listeners. Share this window, and then okay. So you've got that up. I'm gonna open up yours now. Okay. It's it's rendering for the people that are only listening instead of um, watching and listening. If you and, want to watch, uh, we're on YouTube. We are on YouTube. Link in the description. I think we, I don't know if we're on Spotify yet. We should we should talk to our people about that because they also do video podcasts there. Huh. Okay. Um, anyway, what are we looking then, at, Jamie? Then, so we're looking at my um, beautiful entry TM post. It's just about done rendering. Now, can you do something for me, Roy? You you have uh -huh. that tab open. Type the word reveal. Whoa! <laughs> so every every it just completely changed, like color, background, everything. Yeah, it's just basically every piece is actually two pieces, and I literally did not know this until yesterday. That's amazing. I knew um, that there was some secret, like in like uh, there was like hinted in the description, like right. You know, you can reveal, but that is wild. Yeah, I did. I did not know this, um, and so now I'm, I feel like I'm going to have to look. You know, I, I had said when I bought this one that I had only gone through the first 200, um, so I still have another 800 to go. But now, even those 200, I have to look at the the alternate one for each one of those too, basically. Um, I, I think I'm going to be buying more of these pretty soon. What, what was the number you said mine was? Was it 998? Yes. All right, this is mine then. And now, reveal. And from what I can tell, there's no relation between the yeah, first one just and the second one. I mean, I, I don't really know how the code works. Like, it could be they, he multiplies by negative one or something. And so yeah. in that sense, they're related. But in terms of of what you're looking at, they, they bear no relation other than the fact that they're both definitely from this collection. Excuse That's me. That's amazing. I was talking, the person that I was um, told me about this, I was talking to them. This one's just, crazy. Yeah, it is. That this project is like very, very top notch to me in terms of uh, this is the thing we talk about with generative projects a lot having great variety within the project to where the pieces look quite different, but still keeping that thematic through line where you go, that is definitely yeah. an entry tiempos. Uh, it's just fantastic at that, I find. So much variety, and yet you definitely go, oh, yeah, that's from that project. That's by yeah. that artist from that project. And it's quite affordable still. Point three is the floor. Yeah. You have and, and each piece is actually two. I have one. Yeah. You have one. Yeah. But I I'm, like these I'm, black and white ones. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm not as much a black and white guy, but they are rare enough in this collection that they're at least noteworthy. Shout um, out to Deep Oak, man. Right, right. There's some great a, yellow ones in yeah. this in this project. Um, but I, I only kind of just wanted to tell you about this and now we're getting stuck looking at them, which again, <laughs> no, that's, that's, I'm glad you should. Yeah, that's no, really it's very awesome. interesting. Um, but we should probably at some point transition into talking about the upcoming curated drop, which we have not had one in a while. This one's We've coming out, I believe Monday, the 21st. Does that sound right? Does sound right. 
Yeah, Monday the 21st. I'm looking forward to it. The, the palettes from it are right yeah. up my alley. Um, and the compositions... Go ahead. No, you go. I was going to say it's called Memories of Quillen by yes. Emily Zai. She, she, I believe. She? X-I-E. Yeah, I, think. Yeah. I think that's more like she. Um, the compositions is something that I also like, but we were talking about this earlier. It's it's They do have um, somewhat of a sameness to where like the the biggest or most rare or, you know, whatever types of adjectives you want to use as compared to the ones on the other end of that spectrum are still pretty similar in, in terms of like the compositions and stuff um, or like how representative it is versus how abstract it is. Mm-hmm. But other than, other than that, um, uh, I think it's a really great looking collection. Yeah. It's, it, it's great art. It's just, it's really, really cool. Um, and and the description of it is is interesting and and sort of accurate in terms of what art it is sort of um, built on. You know how you know we're all standing on the shoulders of giants or whatever. Mm-hmm. And people that are making art today obviously have you know many centuries of art that they are able to you know analyze and and absorb before they start making their own art. I'm gonna I'm gonna read the description. Uh, Is it the same here? Yeah. Memories of Quillen is a code-based generative art project inspired by traditional East Asian art. It channels the sense of movement and fluidity found in the region's classical paintings while drawing from the colors, patterns, and forms of woodblock. Specifically, the project explores the concept of folklore, evoking the mythological imagery of dragons, phoenixes, flowers, and mountains. The title references a fabled chimerical beast within East Asian mythology, while the Quillen is its Chinese name, it is also known in Korea as the Grin and Japan as the Kirin, that represents prosperity and luck. Viewers are invited to interpret elusive forms that verge on representations. As with the stories passed on through generations, each piece is imagined, organic, and ever in flux. The project employs a wide variety of techniques, including masking, geometric design, a simple physics engine, noise fields, and image processing, among other methods. It is programmed in P5.js. Do, you, do we know how big the um, collection is going to be? I, I think a thousand. but It's a very common just, number for them these days, yeah. but I, I don't remember seeing it. I didn't look too hard. Yes. No. You're no, looking at entry, entry still. Yeah. Post, yeah. Um, 1,024 is what okay. they have at the, the sample, the test thing. Yeah. So that'll, that'll also probably be what they go for. Um, yes, I'm going to quickly check uh, the Artblock Discord as well. But yeah, I mean, I agree. The color palettes are just really fantastic. I love I mean, the texture and everything. My my favorite color combinations in art basically are blue and like a dull orange bordering on brown. And they, they really um, have some nice ones in this collection that are leaning heavily into that. It, it, it seems to be one of like the top, four palettes or whatever in the collection. So I'm very excited about it. I'm almost certain to be minting this project, which is not something I can always say. That is, yeah. I'm, I'm feeling a bit more liquid lately too, which helps. Yeah. I fi- I'm finally basically ready to pay my tax bill. I, ha- I have a vague number in mind and I've, I've got the money set aside. So I'm ready to mm-hmm. start f- freely doing stuff with my F again in a way that I haven't been able to in a long time. That looks great to me. Yeah, this is stunning. Yeah. 
This would look great printed as well. For sure. For sure. Um, Jake Rockland has been talking about doing some sign prints of some of his stuff. So I'm, oh. hopefully I can get number 112 of Stipple Sunsets printed that out. Great. That would be amazing. I kind of want to get one of these plotters. Have you seen any of the videos of plotters drawing like Zancan stuff? They look I, really, I kind of really want cool. one now. It seems like a fun, nerdy thing for me. And, yeah. and now we're coming back to a recurring segment in the podcast where Roy <laughs> shops for Atomicas <laughs> or at least looks at them. Yeah. I got to make actually a list. Um, you know, like I was talking about how I did with Entre Tiempos, Asemicas, um, I, I want to find my favorite looking um, article pieces so I can just kind of continuously bid on them and, mm. and try to acquire one at some point. I'm just, I'm having so much fun collecting art these days. It's awesome. I, th- I, I, th- I think I might still need to get a garden monolith or at least more lush temples. They're expensive, but if I compare them to the F, um, NFTs, yeah. I go, they're still not that expensive. And there's only 256. That's a small collection. The Gardens Monolith? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And boy, do they look they, great. They do look great. I um I bought some Lush Temples the other day. Nice. Yeah, they, they, they look amazing as well. He, ha- he has a couple NFTs on F as well. He basically, huh, he basically has like an oak tree that he, I think this is what happened. He photographed an oak tree and then basically sort of recreated it with generative art, plus added some like below, um, below ground imagining of like the roots and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and then it's kind of like a grid layout. So if you have like all 16 of them, it basically recreates the thing. And he actually has that on his wall in his house. It's very cool looking. That's that's awesome. I, f- I follow him on Instagram. Yeah. There's a lot of great art out there. There, There's so much. It's it's kind it's of just, staggering. Very much, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else in Oplux? Um, Not specifically. I wouldn't mind talking a touch more just about my plans on, on collecting going forward, just because yeah. it's slightly top of mind now. Um, you know, uh, I think I remember when we were doing the um, year end one, I was talking about sort of my plans for this year and it was, you know, to largely transition into being more of a collector of, of the stuff rather than someone who is you know, appreciative of the art and buying sort of for the art, but thinking that Mm. um, largely I'm buying this where I like the art because I think the idea that me liking the art means I'll be able to potentially sell it for more in the future and kind of keep stacking F that way. Um, Whereas now I feel like I've kind of stacked the F and now I can just use that to buy the art that I just uh, flat out just want to hold. Yeah. And, you know, of course, my financial position may change. People might offer me FU money for a piece or whatever, and, and I can sell. But ultimately, I'm just working on building my collection now. And so I really want to study these collections, you know, because so, so much of my NFT buying has just been floor buying or bu- mm. or going like, let me look at, you know, the 10 pieces closest to the floor and find one I like within there. Whereas now I'm happy to just kind of, go through all these collections. And this is something I've already done for some, for instance, the fragments of the infinite field and dreams. Mm-hmm. I have, I just, I already have lists of my favorite from the collection and I'll just continuously bid on them 
at you know some below four price and and hope to acquire pieces over time. Um, but I want to do that for more and more collections at this point now. That's that's what I'm looking to do. Um, and specifically, I would, for the most part, like to try and acquire one piece that I really like from as many curated collections as I can get myself into. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess at this point, it seems like aside from Fidenza's ringers and elevated deconstructions, probably, it, it's it's feasible for me to acquire basically one of everything. Um, except like, you know, if I started to actually do it to get one Unigrid plus one archetype plus right, all, right, yeah. one subscape, I couldn't really do that, but I could, I could certainly get like one of any individual ones of those, those pretty high priced ones. And then there's, you know, again, we were just looking at like Parabellums. I don't have one of those, but those are very cheap right now. And there's a handful yeah. of projects that are like, you know, in the point two to point eight range that I can feel very comfortable acquiring one piece of. Is there anything sort of on your wish list, not on our blocks that you really, really want? Like yeah. I, I mean, a garden, a garden currency, monolith. I yeah, said, yeah. um, certainly currency was for a long time. Um, mm. so the artist who's, who I told you guys that I bid on his, one of his super rare pieces, I made my first super rare account. I say first, like I'm going to have more. I made a super rare account to, <laughs> to bet on his. I would love one of his. And there's a couple other artists. Um, Jack Cato, I believe, is is another artist's name whose work I really like. Um, this early worm person has some interesting art. That's. It's also interesting because it's not like the art that I tend to gravitate towards usually, um, mm. but it is really interesting and evocative. There's also that um, pixel artist that that does a lot of Japanese stuff, um, Grant Ribbon's stuff, um, who we looked at a couple episodes ago. There's actually a lot of, of non-art yeah. block stuff, but for the most part, those ones are all at prices that are very difficult to acquire already. Um, yeah. Whereas a lot of these art blocks projects that I don't have a piece yet are still, e- even though they're curated, still very much in within yeah. my range and, and again also have this fun thing to where you know because there are these generative collections there's hundreds of them so i can mm-hmm. really pick a specific one that that appeals to me more yeah. than the rest of the collection in a way that you know if i wanted to acquire one of these ones from these artists that are really um growing in popularity and floor prices i kind of just have to bite the bullet buy the cheapest one um kind of thing yeah the um Generative art is just so cool. Artblox is, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, FX hash is amazing too. At this point, right? FX hash is amazing. Yeah, yeah. And there are so, other um, generative art platforms, like a bunch of them, on ETH mainnet and on other platforms that we have not really explored that much of. But yeah, yeah. And, and there's also people that are just doing it kind of by themselves, right? With not, yeah. not I think at this point, more and more of them are. Um, releasing a collection on one of them. For instance, like a guy whose generative art I collected, um, Crypto Bauhaus. Uh, I-, I had some of his stuff a long time ago. I still do. I have both of the ones that I bought. Um, but he was basically just kind of in- independent, so to speak. But then he recently got a factory project onto Artblocks. So, uh. um, you know, a- as there's more and more places and you know, if you've already established your name or whatever, it's it, it's not hurting mm. these people to also have stuff on the platforms. You know, like a lot of we've talked about this, but a lot of the art blocks artists, so to speak, um, 
also have stuff on FX hash now. And they also yeah. have stuff. Other, you, there's just lots of places to mint your own artwork at this point. Um, yeah. So uh, pe- I think that people are having fun having their art in lots of different ecosystems. So different collectors can be exposed to them and all that. Yeah. They, they can try different price points, different mint sizes, all that good stuff. Yeah. And, and a lot of people tend to complain about, you know, uh, these artists are diluting their work. They're releasing too much. There's too much supply. But if you look at some huge artists throughout history, they re- they released thousands or tens of thousands of yeah. physical prints. Did you did you and see the the tweet that was talking about that the other day where they I, said I like Andy that, Andy Warhol yeah. has twenty thousand pieces out yeah. there or something? Yeah, exactly. And yeah. it's just like, yeah, obviously it's it's yeah. It, it's um, also a thing to where like you know if you're worried about them diluting their thing or whatever, it's like. Okay, if if your concern is that I'm buying this for financial purposes mm. and they're going to increase their supply, oh, f- fine, don't buy don't buy yeah. their art. But they are an yeah. artist creating art, and if you are buying it not for art, you have different yeah. incentives from them. So it's not their job to release their art in a way to make you money. I mean, so, like some of the reactions when art blocks moved over to Dutch auctions were so funny. The level of entitlement that people had yeah. built up and going, if I meant to curate a piece, I should be able to flip it for profits immediately. Like, what What are you talking about? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. Um, I, I also, that, yeah. sorry, no. want to get back into creating art more i've done so little lately because you know i had i had i did the abstract of the day collection i really fucking loved it and it was the most art i had created in my whole life um and and in a consistent way that was awesome i got to learn a lot about like me as an artist um but then i was a bit burnt out at the end and also wanting to you know because of the fact that i had to or you know, was trying to, aspiring to do one continuously every day. It was just, um, it was becoming a little bit like craft rather than art, which is sort of a a bit of a different thing. Um, And so now I'm sort of enjoying learning about art history, appreciating all of this different type of art and and, um, sort of refilling my creative well before I get back at it again. But now I'm, I'm feeling like I'm, I'm getting quite ready to create a lot again, um, which is going to be fun. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what you come up with. It's, it's fun being an appreciator of art. Like, yeah, it's just an enjoyable way to spend neurons and, and time. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And it's it's amazing how well this space has just um, increased the awareness of that for so many of us. You know, I definitely was creating some art before and spending some time appreciating art before, but but the degree compared to where I'm at now is is mm. night and day, and yeah. um, not just that, but also you know like like I talked about in our last episode, I'm reading that book now, When the Machines Made Art. I read the book about um, contemporary art, the the $12 million shark or whatever. Mm. I'm just, I'm spending more time creating, 
appreciating and learning outside of the direct learning that you can do just looking at a piece. I mean, obviously there's something there, but, but to actually read about it, there's also a, um, a YouTube channel that I've been liking lately. I'm going to pull it up. Um, I believe it's called great art explained. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a good channel. We'll have a link there, but um, that's something that I can recommend. They basically just take very famous pieces that we all know uh, Salvador Dali's The Persistence of Memory, Vincent Van Gogh's The Starry Night, etc. And they'll basically do like a 15, 16 minute video where they kind of just talk about where art was at before that, um, where that artist was at before that and what they did and and look at the piece and talk about it. And it's just, it's, it's a great way for people who didn't major in art, weren't classically mm -hmm. trained, all of that good stuff to get a sense of what those people who have that kind of um, understanding and experience and point of view, uh, you know, what they're seeing. Not that it's purely more valid, but it's, it's different and has for sure some level of validity. And I think that's a great way to just give you new mechanisms for analyzing and appreciating art. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I back when I used to watch lots of YouTube, that's exactly the kind of channel that I would just love to just watch. And yeah, yeah. The the other thing I've been thinking lately is I really got to go back and listen to all listen to slash watch all the after dinner mints. I I've literally mm. seen I think one half of the first episode with Dimitri, and I was like, this is great. I'm going to keep doing this, and just have been too busy to get around to watching yeah. it. But like, I really need to I think uh, listen to all of those. Yeah, we we also need to make a trip to Marfa. Like, that would yeah. just be an amazing thing. Yeah. All right. <laughs> we, we we just had one of the longest unplanned silences of the podcast. I was just thinking about like my travel plans. Like, can can we make this happen in like June? Question mark. But then maybe it's, it's worth just waiting till there's another event there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, or until you're already in America, or are you planning on? Being well, I'll here be in America in June. Oh, okay. NFT NYC. Okay. Yeah, and and Ape Fest. How? Yeah. Oh, those are kind of overlapping with the World Series. What do you know when in June specifically? Twentieth to the twenty third. Oh, that's a pain. I haven't looked too specifically at the World Series schedule, so I don't know if there is stuff those days. But yeah. I was definitely sort of planning on having a longer trip to it this year. Where? Uh, Yes, this year than I did last year. I just got confused about if I was talking about this year or not. Because um, last year I just played the main event. Um, but it yeah. would be nice to spend more time with with my friends and play some more events this year. Um, it would be fun to play. I would maybe I'll do that as well. Like, yeah, play a PLL play event at fifteen hundred. Yeah. That would be so yeah. fun. It would be so much. Poker is it's a fun game when you're not doing it for a it living. For sure, can be. Yeah, yeah. And even and even when it is what yeah. you're doing for a living, if you're winning, yeah, it, it's it is it's, fun. it's fun. When yeah. you're stacking chips and making it deep in tournaments, that is really. Fun. I mean, I know you've never had success in tournaments. Excuse you, me. You I, I won that one that's tournament. Like. Yeah, that, that <laughs> thirty right, player been... one. <laughs> well, should, should we do what am I thinking? Yeah, sure, sure. Let's let's do the what am I thinking segment. Um, Let's see. Now, listeners who don't know what this is, Ryan and I are going to think of a word and try and guess it and blah, blah, blah. You'll figure it out. Uh, okay, I got one. All right. I got one. I just changed mine at the last second. Three, two, one. Sword. Pineapple. 
Pineapple and sword. Ooh, okay. Mm, interesting. Pineapple mm. and sword. Pineapple and sword. Okay, I got something. I don't think you're going to get it, though. All right, well, let's see. Three, two, one. Gallagher. <laughs> what? Do you know who Gallagher is? No. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> um, so he was a comedian from like the 1980s. And like his big, it's so, it, it sounds insane, but his big thing was he would have a watermelon and he had a giant mallet and he would just <laughs> smash them on stage. That was like the biggest part of his act. And somewhat routinely, people would like literally have chunks of watermelon fly out and like fracture their cheekbones in the, in the oh first few God. rows of the audience. Um, and it turns out he's also kind of like a, <laughs> a, a wild, like racist uh homophobe but that's oh, well, that's less funny so so now we have to go between gallagher and knife. yes gallagher and knife yes um i'm ready sure three two one mallet, mallet. that was easy that, that almost seemed like cheating but why yeah because you just just had said that word right but i i if you actually knew who gallagher was ahead of time you wouldn't have needed to to have me say that. And if I didn't tell you anything about who Gallagher was, we would have just been starting from scratch again. Um, All right. That was a quick one. That was a quick one. Hey, this has been... Do you, do you want to play some Dota after this? Oh. Uh, oh what, you I have got, to do something? <laughs> I have an hour and 15 minutes. You have I can obligations. Play okay, yeah, let's I go do, play some Dota. But I can play one game of Dota. All Maybe, right. should we get listeners to play with us too at some point that could be fun that right? would be fun that would be fun All right t- t- uh go to the two board apes channel in um the zen academy discord if you play dota and and let us know maybe we'll play a game with you sometime that could be fun yep sounds good oh what the, the, someone uh apparently there's a like a really cool discord bot integration that i think is like from discord themselves to play like in-game games in-server games and one of them is chess and so we could just mm. maybe just have chess games running within the Discord. Oh, I didn't server. know that. And there's yeah, like point systems that. and other games and, and poker and yeah. Oh, did we're you want to tell the listeners about how I beat you in a game of chess the other day or no? So I timed out again and that's the time. Do you want to tell them in, about the time that I obliterated you again? In like you didn't a obliterate me. I obliterated game? myself. I obliterated, <laughs> I obliterated myself with a terrible <laughs> blunder of, of that night, I think. Yeah, but I, this I is not interesting. Fucked. But hadn't I fucked up earlier and, and lost my bishop in a way that I shouldn't have and fought back really good? Or was that a different no, game that I played right that before? Was not that I play a lot of chess these days. Um, but yeah, that that one... <laughs> you wouldn't <was> tell. <laughs> <laughs> funny. Uh, okay, this has been episode 35 Bye. of Two Board Apes. Thanks for listening. Thank you. See you next time. Bye. Two Board Apes talking NFTs. D5 and some random stuff. <laughs> Two Board Apes.